0: I want to share with you a story opening up that I read some time ago. It says, uh, one evening, this was in an Eastern newspaper, by the way. One evening, a woman was driving home when she noticed a huge truck behind her that was driving uncomfortably close. She stepped on the gas to gain some distance from the truck, but when she did speed up, the truck did as well. The faster that she drove, the faster the truck did. Now very scared, she exited the freeway, but the trucker stayed with her. The woman then turned up a main street, hoping to lose her pursuer in traffic, but the truck ran a red light and continued the chase. Reaching the point of sheer panic, the woman whipped her car into a service station, bolted out of her, out of her car, screaming for help. The truck driver sprang from his truck and ran toward her car, but then he yanked the back door open. The driver pulled out a man that was hidden in her back seat. The woman, as the story goes, was running from the wrong person. All of us would understand why she would be so frightened with the pursuit of the truck, But as it turned out, the woman was actually running from the wrong person. From his high vantage point, the truck driver had spotted a would-be rapist in the woman's car. The chase was not his effort to harm her, but actually save her, even at the cost of his own safety. And when I read that story, I think so often that uh, people uh, have a tendency to run from God. People have a tendency to to run from the wrong person. When God is in pursuit of our lives, which God always is, by the way, He is doing so. When God is pursuing you, when God is chasing me down, you down, our family members, our friends down, He is chasing us down not to harm us, but to help us. He's trying to save us. He's trying to work powerfully in our life. He's uh, he, He's got a good plan for our life, and I'm going to get into that in just a moment. But a lot of people run from God for a lot of different reasons. Some people run from God for this reason. They feel like, okay, if I really turn my life over to God completely, here's what's going to happen. All the fun things that I do, whatever those fun things are, once I turn my life over, over to God fully, then I'm no no longer going to be able to enjoy those fun things anymore. Or somebody says something like this, like if I fully surrender, like I go all out hardcore for God, if I'm just like all in for God, then it's probably going to turn me into some kind of religious weirdo. And people think that way. But by the way, and this is just a footnote, um, do I know Christian people that are strange, that are weird? Absolutely. But becoming a Christian is not the thing that made them weird. They were weird before they became a Christian. They're just weird since they became a Christian. So it's not like Christianity caused them weird. They were already weird. Or some people feel like, well, you know what? Uh, God may force me into do something that doesn't really fit the person that I am, and I really like the path that I'm on. But hopefully by the time we get to the end of this talk this morning, you're going to have a better sense as to that is not how it works. And as you already see on the screen today, we're starting brand new series, by the way, in a couple of weeks. But what I want to talk to you in sort of a standalone talk today is about how do you find fulfillment in your life? And I'm going to encourage you to stay uh, very much alert, lean in, because at some point during this talk, God's going to whisper something to you about your own life personally. And this is what I've been praying for a lot leading up to today, that uh, in each of our lives that we would just change in some way, that there would be some part of us that unless you're Jesus Jr., and I don't think any of you are, I know I'm not then all of us could stand a change in some area of our life. Some of those are going to be small changes. Some of them are going to be like gargantuan, mammoth kinds of changes. But uh, I want to start by drawing your attention uh, to a couple of verses here. We're going to hang out in the Psalms uh, today, by the way. But I want you to look at these two verses right up here on the screen. Uh, It's actually more than two, but I want you to look at these verses. For you created my inmost being. This is a conversation to God with God. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your words are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. Which, by the way, uh, as a church, we believe uh, we're pro-life. I personally am pro-life for this very reason, that our life actually starts before our birth. Uh, In the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body, even before I was born. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Think about that. God has written your story before you were even born Uh, for me, were written in your book before one of them came to be. So I want to give you some thoughts and maybe you'll take out uh, your tablet, your phone, and I want to give you some things to think about. I'm going to walk you through three things this morning uh, out of what we're looking at right here. Uh, First of all, this is what, from what we just read on the screen, what we just saw, this is the first reality that you and I can know and grasp. It is this, that our life has dignity and value because we were created by God. Your life your life and you may feel like you know what my life is not a whole lot the way I was born the way I was raised my life even uh, even earlier some of you wanted to engage in worship but you couldn't fully bring yourself to worship because you just carry around maybe some guilt or shame and like how can I worship God when I know that I've got this going on in my life in my world and I'm trying to work through this and I've got this problem or I've got this habit how can I freely worship God isn't that hypocritical and that's a whole nother story uh, by the way I think we worship God where we're at and we thank God and praise God that God is growing us and helping us and delivering us whatever whatever is going on in in our lives but uh, God because he has created this it brings this enormous amount of value and worth and dignity to our life and and our lives are not an accident some of you may say well that's that may be so for you but that's not the way it was for me but again I want to back up and many of you have heard me say this or something similar to this even if the circumstances surrounding your mother's pregnancy were accidental from God's vantage point you are not an accident. In fact, from God's vantage point, you are the product of divine intentionality. In other words, there is a reason why you're here. There is a purpose for your life and destiny. And God created you on purpose. God's got a plan for your life. Life. He really does. And God loves you. And because uh, God loves you, it just brings this amazing amount of value to your life. And you say, well, uh, you know, I don't feel worthy of God's love. Well, that's a whole nother, that's up to God. Um, uh, and you may feel like, well, you know, I can't be loved by God because of the way that, you know, again, my past or my current life is. And the fact of the matter is, and you've heard me say this, you can't do anything to make God love you anymore. And you can't do anything to cause God to love you less than what God already loves you. And so God loves you, whether you feel like you deserve God's love or not. And God loves you, and you don't earn God's love. God loved us long before, uh, you know, we were ever born, while we were in our mother's womb, long before we ever became a follower of his son, Jesus. And so our life takes on value and dignity uh, because God created us. And when God created us, how many of you know that God created us with this enormous amount of complexity? Now, how many of you know that? Let me ask you this question. It's not a trick question, but how many of you, how many of you, or are, are, you're married. You're married. Just wave your hand at me like this. Uh, you're married. How many of you have, have figured out in the context of relationships that people are created with great complexity? <laughs> Isn't that true? And that's all I'm going to say about that. But we're all, and that's the, whether it's a relationship with a spouse, a relationship with our kids or with our parents or with our siblings or with our friends, we know that people are created. We're all different. I mean, if you just look around, just look around where you're at right now, all of us are created differently. Uh, we were been, we were, we've been born with such great detail that none of us are exactly the same. Some time ago, um, and I brought it with me today when you were hearing more and more about the retina scan for security purposes. There's now retina scans, and uh, maybe you even have become sophisticated in your home security, and you've got to have a retina scan to get into your house. I, I, I don't know about that, but retina scans, and I read this about it, and, and I'll just read this statement, a quote. Uh, retina scans uses a low-intensity insten- low light source, to scan the pattern, listen to this, the complexity of this, to scan the pattern of the blood vessels at the back of the retina a pattern that is unique to each individual. So a retina scan is scattering, it's scanning the pattern of the blood vessels on the back of your eye, if you can imagine. And from that, you know, there's, there's differences that we have. Our DNA is different. Uh, we're different in so many different ways. How many of you, uh, in fact, let's, let's do this. I want you to do this. I may have done this once here before, uh, some time ago, but I, I want everybody to do this. I want you to hold up your finger. I want you to hold up your finger, everybody. Sir, not that finger, your other finger. No, I'm just kidding. I made that up. That, that didn't really happen. But everybody, uh, hold up your finger. Now, when you, look, when you look at your finger and you know that there are fingerprints that you have and, and maybe you've been because of a job or whatever the case would be, you've been, fing- no fingerprints are exactly the same. I mean, and think of many people as we have right here, none of the same, none of the same, uh, and you can put them down now, but uh, none of the same in the city, in the county, in the state, in the nation. I mean, that is uniqueness. What about what about the uniqueness of our own DNA? DNA is the genetic material of a cell, and the genetic material of a, a cell, that's our DNA, it carries with it instructions for the makeup of our entire body, and that's why we are all so Different and God has created us uniquely and wonderfully and with great complexity. But God didn't even stop with people. This is reality in the universe. Some time ago, I was doing some uh, some reading up about this, and I came across these statements. And just think about it. A lot of you studied this when you were in high school or college. But here are a few facts. If you were if, again, the complexity of, of the universe. Uh, if you were to raise or lower the universe's rate of st- expansion by even one part, by even one part in a million, it would have ruled out the possibility of life. You think about the intricacies of that. Here's another statement. If the ratio of carbon to oxygen had been slightly different than what it is, none of us would be able to breathe the air. We wouldn't be able to st- stay alive. Here's another statement, another fact. Change the tilt of the earth's axis slightly in one direction, and we would all freeze to death. Change it in the other direction, and we'd all burn up. Another statement. Suppose, and I could go on and on, but I'll give you one more. The complexity. God's created us uniquely and come with great complexity, but he's also done this with his universe. Suppose... The earth had been just a bit closer, or further from the sun, or just a little larger, smaller, or if it rotated at a speed any different from the one that we're spinning at right now, given any of these changes, the resulting temperatures, uh, temperature variations would be completely Fatal. So how many of you believe that when God created the universe, that God knew exactly what God was doing? How many of you would agree with me on that? Just wave your hand. How many of you also believe that when God created you, he created you wonderfully and uniquely, and God knew what he was doing when God created you? And so when God created the universe in such a way that God created it, he created it so that you and I could enjoy this life that he created with great complexity because you and I Matter to God so you you and I the way that God created us because God is the master's designer of our life our life whether you feel like you deserve it or not whether you feel like uh, God ought to love you or not the fact of the matter is your life has value and your life has dignity because God created you and when God created you he did so on purpose and God loves you in a way that you're really your mind can't even begin to understand so that's a reality. Number two, I'm going to give this to you. Again, staying with our touch. God established a plan for your life. We saw this a moment ago, but I want to talk about it for just a moment. God established a plan for your life before you were even born. I want to go back to that verse, the be part of verse 16, and I want you to see this verse with me uh, right here. Take a look at it right up here on the screen. All the days ordained for me were written in your book, Before one of them came to be. You think about that. God wrote, thank you, this this blows my mind. I I can't even comprehend it fully, but God wrote the story of your life before you were ever born. You have your own biography. God wrote it, God has a copy of it. Now, uh, again, I know that that is difficult for us to wrap our mind around, but it It's really the way that God has made us. God himself, our creator, the creator of the universe, wrote the story of our life before we were ever born. However, and again, I want to add this caveat, because you and I, the way that God created us, God created us uh, with a free will, uh, and because God uh, is not going to force us to serve him or force to live our life, in obedience to him, he will allow our story. Think about this. God has wrote the biography of our life. But if any of us just say, well, no, thank you, God. Uh, I I don't want to have any part to do with that. No, thank you. No, thank you. Then what was intended to be God's biography of our life becomes our own personal autobiography. We start writing the story of our life. We're like, God, thanks, but no thanks. Please listen. God has a great plan for your life, but God is not going, I want to be clear about this. God has a great plan for your life, but he is not going to demand that you follow it. God is not going to override your will or my will. God is not going to create us. When God created us, it was unique. It was wonderful. It was individualized. It was with great complexity. But God never created us to be uh, robots where he's got like a joystick in heaven. And he says, they are going to serve me. They are going to do this. And they're going to do it this way. And this is how they're going to do it, when they're going to do it. That is not the way. God loved us enough that he created us. Again, he's got a great plan for our lives. But he's not going to shove it down our throat. He's going to pursue us? Absolutely. He's going to encourage us? No doubt about that. He's going to chase us down? He's definitely going to do that. But we have been granted the privilege to write, when you think about it, our own script, to direct our own act, and to formulate our own decisions. And I want you to stay with me on this for just a moment. Because God, and we can get confused about it, and I don't have time to get into it too deeply, but a lot of times we we try to reconcile, well, if God is omniscient, which he is, if God is omniscient, means that God knows everything. If God has this foreknowledge, uh, God not only knows our past, but God knows our future, then does that mean that we're able to make our own decisions? Because if God already knows what we're going to do... Well, listen, God's foreknowledge because God knows how you and I are going to live our life. He knows how he created us. And I'll get into something in just a moment if you'll hang with me. But he knows how, that he created us. He knows that he created us with a purpose, with a destiny, that he has already written the chapters of our life. Well, if God knows that, he knows what the final chapter of our life is going to be like, I mean, does that mean that God is, is, is sort of you know, controlling those matters? And he's not. Now, does he know how it's going to turn out? Absolutely, because when you're perfect like God is perfect, you've got divine knowledge and you you have foreknowledge as to what's going to happen long term. But it doesn't mean that God is trying to control the outcome. See, you and I have been created by God, but we've also been given the opportunity to be able to make our own decisions. And we'll often reach, if we're not careful, we'll reach for the wrong things trying to find, as we're talking about this morning, trying to find fulfillment so uh, a lot of times a person will say well here's you know i'm not really fulfilled and um you know, I'm really, God, thanks for what you want to do in my life, but I I really want to sort of take ownership. Thanks for the biography of my life, but I'm going to turn it into an autobiography. And we try to force things to happen just because we're so desperate to find fulfillment. We're like, all right, well, you know, I don't have, uh, you know, fulfillment. uh, So I'm going to find it. So maybe I'll find it in a relationship. You know, I just want to be loved. I want to be loved. I want to be loved. And I've talked to so many people, want to be loved, want to be loved, that their desperation to be loved has caused them to make decisions that they now regret and decisions that brought with them a uh, consequences that they never thought of on the front edge of that and uh, I I think we've got to be incredibly careful in that regard. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, I'm not married yet, but uh, you know, if I can only get married, then that's going to be the fulfillment that I've been longing for. And they're not even thinking about the spiritual contents of their life. And so, but if I can find this magic relationship, I'm not happy, I'm not fulfilled, but that's going to be the thing. And that's a quest to try to find some level of personal, personal happiness, but there's no guarantees that that is by any means going to bring some sort of permanent fulfillment. Or a person says, well, you know, it's got to be about my career. If, if I could just get a promotion where I work, then I'd be happy. If I had a different boss, if my boss would just quit, would just retire, would just move on, my life would get better. If I have a company and I could get rid of these employees and get me some new employees, or if I could just change jobs, these are the things that are going to make me happy. And, and, and again, I think we have to be so ugly, and there's some things that can certainly go right, r- wrong or right in our career or vocation that can cause us to have some dreaded days or some days that are a little more optimistic. But if you're just saying my ultimate, Fulfillment is going to come on the basis of the job that I've got. Then I I would just caution you: there are scores of people who love their job, but they dislike the direction of their life. Or a person says, "Well, it's about you know, it's about money." You've heard me talk about that. Or my net worth. And if I've got this, if I have drive that, if I live here, if I have this, then those are going to be the things that are going to make me happy. I will be fulfilled if these are the things that come into motion in my life. And, And again. God says, I love you. I created you. I've got a great plan uh, for your life. If you will trust me, I'm going to give you some direction and and guidance. And that's a whole nother talk I'm going to be talking about in the future. If you'll trust me, I'm going to give you some guidance and direction in your life. But don't take the biography that I've written for you and turn it into an autobiography so that out of desperation, you just start making some, some foolish decisions. Some decisions that can unfortunately bring with it uh, consequences. I want you to look at this verse right up here. Uh, it's the Proverbs, and I want you to look at it. Hope deferred meets the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled. And this is doing it God's way a longing fulfilled, finding God's purpose and destiny, following God's plan for our life, living our life in, in obedience to God, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I I like this statement. This is from John Orberg. I can't even remember what book he, he wrote, but this is what he says. He said, sometimes, it's a great statement by the way, sometimes when all the props and crutches in your life get stripped away and you find you have only God, you discover what? That God is enough. That God is enough. You don't have to have, uh, you know, this magic relationship in order to be fulfilled, that you find fulfillment. And how many of you know if you're fulfilled before you get married, it's only going to bring positive things into that marriage or into that relationship? Uh, if you're saying, well, it's not my job, I want to have a job that I enjoy. I don't want to hate and despise my job. I want to be aligned with, you know, what's God's intended purpose for my life. And that's a whole, again, a whole nother talk. But I'm not looking, I'm not looking uh, to things or, or things that I've got to pursue or make happen. or or control in order to find fulfillment. It all, at the end of the day, begins with God. Thirdly, I want to give you another thing to think about before we're done today. It's important to know and remember that God not only wants to bring us fulfillment in this life, which He does because He loves us, but He also wants to lead us, and this is out of that same uh, psalm, He also wants to lead us into eternity. Now, how do we know that? Look at these next two verses. This is still Psalm 139. Look at these two verses with me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And then I want you to read this last portion. Everybody, read it with me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Everlasting. That's beyond us. That's not just life here. Lead me in the way of everlasting. Now, I've already mentioned that God's plan for our life is not to control us. We also need to realize that there are many things that we do not have control over. So God doesn't want to control us. That's not, that's not a love relationship with God. If you're in a relationship and it's all about control, it's hard to really love to the full maximum potential of how love ought to be. And God's, uh, God just wants to be loved, not because He's controlling us, loving Him. God just wants us to, to love Him in return. Now. We, uh, we have to realize, as I mentioned to you, that there are many, many things that you and I have no control over. For example, you had no control over when you were born. Isn't that a fact? You had no control over where you were born. I know all of you wanted to be born on the doorsteps of Sanford Stadium in Athens, Georgia, but it just didn't happen that way. All right? I know that. Okay, maybe not. But it's not like we can say, well, I'm demanding. I mean, this is just, I mean, we know it, but uh, it's not like we controlled that. God was creating our life. God was working behind the scenes. God knew us, uh, you know, even before we were born. And so it's not like we demanded, well, I'm going to be born in such and such a place on such and such a day. That's something we have absolutely zero control over. Here's another thing. And you know this as well. We have zero control over when we die. We have zero control over when we die. I've, you know, I've been a pastor for a long, long time. I've had all kinds of conversations with people at every stage of life, every age of life. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's funny to me, but it's not because I know I'm the same way. If, if you talk to an older person, and, and let's just say they're, they're in their 80s or they're in their 90s, they, everybody wants to live just a little bit longer. I mean, you talk to somebody that's in their 90s and you're like, you know, they're like, hey, you know, I want to be around to see this. And, uh, and we don't control when we die. Now, most everybody that I know wants to live to be at, at least 100. You know, most everybody I've talked to. Uh, are, and again, I'm being a little facetious there. And, and I want to live a long time. And you ever have this thought? You ever have this thought, and I'm digressing, this is really chasing rabbit, but let me go with it for just a moment. You ever have this thought, and uh, what's going to give out first, my mind or my body? Do you ever have that thought? What's going to give out first, my mind or my body? Wouldn't that be unique to know? And you don't even have control over that. I don't even have control over that. I've got, you know, I've, I've got a personal, I've got a personal wish in that regard. And, and let me just say this. If I happen as your pastor lose my mind before I lose my body, and please be nice to me. Will you do that? All right. Will you please be nice to me? But how many of you know what I'm talking about? And, and the fact of the matter is, you and, you and I, God's given us the capacity to control certain things in our life. But there's other things that we don't have any control over. Wave your hand at me if you know what I'm talking about. Now, let me tell you what we do control. All right, bringing it back to where we're at. What you and I do have control over is how we live our life. Is that a fact? That's a fact. You and I have control over how we live our life. How are we living this one and only life? And again, God's, God's got this great plan for us And uh, God says, I want to lead you. I've got a purpose for you. I know the beginning chapter of your life. And by the way, I've written the beginning chapters of your life, but I also know how it's all going to end. And so uh, God just sort of puts it back on us because, again, God's not demanding that we serve him. God's not demanding that we, you know, have to love him in return. God just says, here's here's what I want you to do. I want you to live in obedience to me. I, I know my plan for your life. And I'd love it if you had followed my plan for your life. But you can go any direction that you want to go with it. And, and we say, well, God, here's what, I, here's what I want to do. God, I want to live my life in a way that is going to be pleasing to you. God, I want to live my life in a way that is going to be honoring to you. I want to live my life in a way, God, you know, not for me. And how many of you know that if you and I live our life in a way that is going to please and going to honor God, a way that is going to please and honor God, then the fact of the matter is because God's got a good plan for our life. And if we live our life according to God's plan, according to God's will, the way that God wants us to live our life, how many of you know it is going to bring us the fulfillment that we're actually longing for? It's going to bring us the hope and the joy that we're actually longing for. Would you agree with this? Now, I, I want to close because I'm uh, up, about out of time, but I want to close with a story. And if you know me any length of time at all, I, I'd love to read. I mentioned that last week. But uh, my favorite story that I, it's got to be in the top three that I've ever read in my life. I read in a book uh, several years ago, and I've told this story. If you've been around me for some time or you've been here at Lakeside, you've heard me tell this story before. Some of you have never heard this story, but it's one of my favorite stories. It's one of my family's favorite stories as well. But I'll just share it with you, and then we're gonna wrap up. Bill McCartney, a former coach of the Colorado Buffaloes. A lot of you have heard of him. And uh, how many of you are a little bit thankful that we're headed toward football season? Is there anybody? Just sort of wave at me. You wave. All right. You're excited about that. But Bill McCartney, at one time, coached the Colorado Buffaloes, and uh, he tells a compelling story. Uh, In his own words, I'm going to read this story. And again, some of you have heard me share this before. The Illinois football team was going to play on Saturday for the Big Ten Championship and the right to go to the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. The excitement and anticipation in Illinois was sky high because this game was at home, and Illinois had not been to the Rose Bowl in 20 years. On Friday, the day before the game, a kid by the name of John Wong came up to the coach and said, Coach, you've just got to let me start in tomorrow's game. The request startled the coach, and he stepped back and he said, John, you're a great kid. You are. You're a great kid. You're a senior. You've done everything I've ever asked you to do. You're a tremendous student, but let's be honest. You play behind the captain of the team in your linebacker position, and you have not started a single game since you've been here. How can I put you in a starting role role in a game of this magnitude? A big tear started streaming down Juan's face. Coach, he said, I know that's true, but you've got to start me. Well, the coach was moved and he didn't really know what to say. So he bought himself a little time and he said, I'll tell you what, let me sleep on it. I'll have an answer for you in the morning. McCartney goes on in his story and says, "Uh, you know, college football teams stay in hotels the night before the game, even for home games. And just by coincidence, John Juan's room was on the same floor as the coach's. Bright and early on Saturday morning, John Wong was pounding on the coach's door. He wanted an answer. The coach came to the door and said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, John. I've thought about it, and I've decided to put you in on the opening kickoff. That way, technically, you'll be starting the game. The states are very high, and I can't promise you any more than that. As fate would have it, Illinois kicked off that day. John Wong ran down the field faster than anybody had ever seen him run before, and he made a resounding tackle at about the 18-yard line. The captain started onto the field, but the coach pulled him back and said, after, and and you can appreciate this, after a hit like that, let's give him one more play. On the first play from scrimmage, the uh, opponent ran a trick play. The quarterback pitched the ball to the tailback. The uh, tailback looked like he was going to sweep to the far side. Then he stopped, planted his feet, and threw a pass to the quarterback that was sneaking out of the back side. Somehow, John Wong, who was playing linebacker, diagnosed the play Stepped in front of the quarterback and intercepted the pass, running untouched into the end zone for a touchdown. The kicker then missed the extra point, but the game was not five minutes old, and Illinois was already ahead, six to nothing. John Wong continued to play, and he was all over the field. They had to substitute the captain at the other linebacker position because John Wong was dominating the game from his position. The six to nothing score, remember the kicker missed the extra point, held up throughout the entire game. Then the game was in the very last minute. The opponent had the ball and time for one more play. The quarterback sent his fastest receiver down the sideline and threw the ball as far as he could, hoping for a last-minute miracle. Wong retreated from his linebacker position, flicked the ball, and it fell harmlessly to the ground. And uh, Bill McCartney, when he wrote about this story, he said the place went absolutely wild. It erupted the entire stadium. Illinois was going to the Rose Bowl. The coach was carried off the field, and he's got into the locker room. He looked over, and in the corner, all by himself, was John Wong, and he was crying like a baby. The coach walked over and said, John, what's the matter? You almost single-handedly won the game. No one has ever seen you play like that before. John, what was going on out there? It took him a while, but he finally gained his composure, and he said, Coach, you know that my daddy is blind, right? Of course I do, said the coach. Many times your friends have wheeled him out onto the practice field so he could listen to his practice. Well, said John Wong, my dad died Thursday night And I figure this is the first time he's ever had the chance to see me play. John Wong, when he wrapped up the story, he said this, and this is a great statement. John Wong was playing his game for an audience of one, and it made all the difference in the world. Now listen, we're going to close. You and I have life. And it may not be a perfect life because none of us has a perfect life and everybody's got problems. How many of you can attest to that? Anybody's got problems here? In, In fact, it's not that we have a problem. How many of you know? Well, maybe I'm just speaking for me. How many of you know we don't just have a problem, we have problems. And none of us have a perfect life. But we have the life that God has given to us and God created us on purpose. And God loves us. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how many problems you have or how the lack of problems you have. God loves you because God created you. He knows every detail of your life. And he's created you on purpose with a plan for your life. And ultimate fulfillment comes in saying, God, here's what I want to do. I want to live my life for an audience of one. God, I want to live my life for you. And I know it's very tempting to say, well, you know what, God isn't moving fast enough or He's not doing it my way, so I'm going to help God. Has anybody besides me ever tried to help God out before? <laughs> and God doesn't need our help. He's just looking for our obedience. He says, I've got a good plan. Will you follow my plan? And if we follow God's plan, if we allow God to write the biography of our life and not it be an autobiography where we say, God thinks but no thanks." then the fact of the matter is you and I will find the fulfillment in this life unlike we could ever make happen on our own. And we will will assure ourselves of a promised home in heaven with God. Can anybody say amen to that? Can we give God some big time praise? Thank you, God. You bow your heads. Everybody close your eyes. If you're here today and you just say, you know what? I need to follow God's plan, God's plan. I need to follow. A lot of times it's not, do we know God's plan or not? It's like, are we going to follow God's plan? Many times we know it. Are we willing to follow it? Are we willing to live our life as an audience for an audience of one? Are we willing to do it God's way and not our way? If you're a Christian here today and you just say, you know what? I know that God wants me to do better in this area of my life. I know that God wants me to make change. And for some of you, it may be a big change. For others of you, it may be smaller, incremental changes. But how many of you know that God's got a plan for your life and there's some areas that you could get better in it that follows God's plan? If you're a Christian and that's you, just while your head's still bowed, just wave your hand up like this. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. If you're here today and you just say, you know what, uh, Jeff, I'm not a Christian yet. I'm not a Christian. But you've given me some things to think about today, and now I realize that God has created my life, and my life is not an accident. And when I come to my life, the end of my life here on earth, it's not really the end of me. I'm going to have eternity with God in heaven. I'm going to live forever in heaven with God uh, if I've committed my life to Jesus. And you can do that right here, right now. You can't just say, well, I hope it all turns out in the end. That's a risky, risky, risky way to live your life. In fact, if you just say, I'm going to ignore God and hope that everything turns out, that is just utter foolishness. All of us, we need God in our life. And God created you to love you. God created you to be in relationship with him. And so if you're not a Christian yet, and you may not even know the journey that's going to take, uh, that journey is going to take you on. There's an element of excitement even about that. Where's God going to lead me? Where's God going to take me? If he's created my life, if he's got a plan for me, how can I know his plan? How can I do it God's way? Because my way's not really working out too good. If you're not a Christian, but you want to become one today, would you just, nobody's looking around, even when you raise your hand, don't look up, but you put your hand straight up in the air and you say, I'm not a Christian yet. I am not. I am not. I'm a good person. I'm a good person, but I'm not a Christian yet. And you want to become a Christian. Would you just stick your hand straight up in the air? Just put it right up in the air right now. Let me just pray for you right there. Thank you so much father right now i just want to agree with those who are saying in their heart in their mind right now they're praying this heart and this prayer in their heart of their mind right now dear jesus come into my life i want to live for you god i know that you gave me the life that i have i know that you've got a good plan for my life i know that my life matters because you love me i know that my life has purpose because you created me and i want to give my life to you i don't even know where that's going to take me, but I'm going to trust you. So, Jesus, I receive you into my life as the Savior and the leader, the Lord of my life. Teach me, lead me, guide me, show me where you want me to go. From chapter to chapter in my life, Lord, I'm willing to live my life for an audience of one. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Have an awesome, awesome week, everybody. I love you. Have a great week. I'll see you right back here on Sunday.